Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Finally, upgrading our electrical grid, what the Department of Energy just announced. UAW strike drawing more political support on both sides of the aisle. And today on the show, the latest from the American Legion and the Alliance for Retired Americans. Welcome to the Friday, October 20th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Jeff Stouffer, our first guest on the show today, serves as Media and Communications Director for the American Legion, legion.org, for complete updates. And this is the time we preview the next month's edition, and that would be the November edition. And uh, one of the stories we're going to talk about, and this is an issue we talked about in a previous show, with Jeff recruiting for the military. This article is titled tested declining academic performance adds to the military's difficulty filling the ranks. Listen to these, uh, these numbers here, the army air force and Navy expect to miss their recruiting goals this year in April. Pentagon officials told lawmakers on Capitol Hill that those services expect to come up between 6,000 and 10,000 new recruits short. With the Army, the Army having the biggest challenge because, well, that's the largest branch. The military is right now in the worst recruiting slump in its history, fighting a competitive labor market and shifting demographic trends and attitudes toward military service. Only about 23% of young people, so that's what, less than one out of four in the prime recruiting age of 17 to 24 are even eligible for service. You know what the problem is? Schools. They're coming out of high school and they don't have the skills. The academic performance of high school students has dipped in recent years with ACT scores plunging in 2022, after five years of decline. Impacts of the pandemic compounded the drop in scores, according to data from the company that runs those tests. So we'll take a deep dive into this. The question remains, what are we going to do to turn this around? Obviously, we got to do better in schooling these kids, but we got to get them interested in the military as well. We're also going to talk about veteran suicide, and uh, the American Legion has been on this issue, and we talked about this last month on Suicide Prevention Month. This week, they kicked off National Buddy Check Week, which is a Department of Veterans Affairs program that, uh, that does some outreach. It's a collaboration between the VA and the American Legion that actually drew more than 110 viewers. And uh, those who put the program together noted that about 5,000 people signed up for the agencies, what they call the Take the Pledge to Talk to 10 Veterans this week. 
So we'll check to see how, how that's going. Though it would be the one campaign. I'll tell you, it's a great campaign. It started, oh gosh, less than two years ago. And if you just Google Be The One, it'll take you right there. Last story we're going to talk about is one authored by Matt Grills. And this one's titled, The Answer Was Easy. And it's about a, a Vietnam War helicopter pilot by the name of Larry Taylor, who is the third Medal of Honor recipient from Chattanooga Post 14. On September 5th, President Biden awarded the uh, Medal of Honor to Larry Taylor at the White House 55 years after he endangered his own life to save fellow soldiers from certain death. And we'll uh, get into the story of what happened there. It's just uh, another story of an American hero, no doubt about that. Rich Fiesta will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans, where he serves as executive director, retiredamericans.org. Two things. We're going to talk about Alliance members all around the country that have joined UAW picket lines. The Alliance fully supports the UAW in their fight to secure better wages, working conditions, and retirement benefits for its workers at the big three automakers. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. The other story, Social Security recipients, and this was announced uh, last week, they will receive an annual cost of living adjustment of 3.2% for next year, which is smaller than the year before. The year before was just shy of 9%, but inflation is easing, and we'll talk about how they calculate that number. Now, Rich points out, this comes to about $59 per month, average, average. The COLA, cost of living increase, is always welcome news, but he says too many older Americans will continue to struggle to pay for basics like food, housing, and then you got prescription drugs. Right now, he says, and he's mentioned this on the show many times, we got to strengthen Social Security and raise the cap, scrap the cap. And that cap, it, well, it's been going up over the years, and it's just shy of $170,000. I think it's like 168000 So when somebody makes that amount of money, they no longer contribute into Social Security. And if they would raise that or eliminate it altogether, wow, that would make that would make a big change in funding Social Security. But like anything, nothing is easy to get accomplished, especially when you don't even have a speaker in the House. I'm sure Rich will have some comments on that as well. Now, a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. This is a big story, and I'll tell you, the trades have to be very, very excited about this, especially the IBEW. The Department of Energy announced on Wednesday that it would funnel $3.46 billion toward upgrading the country's aging electrical grid making it the largest ever investment in that part of the United States Energy Network. How about that? All this comes from the bipartisan infrastructure law that President Biden signed two years ago, almost two years ago. Listen to, uh, listen to the data here. Between 2011 and 2021, that 10-year that period, the country experienced a 78 percent increase in weather-related power outages compared to the previous decade. 20% of those outages 
were caused by hurricanes, extreme heat, and wildfires. Jennifer Granham is the energy secretary. She said extreme weather events fueled by climate change will continue to strain the nation's aging transmission systems. And she added that the new funding would harden systems and improve reliability. The new funding targets 58 projects across 44 states that cumulatively are expected to leverage $8 billion in federal and private investments in grid expansion. Many of the projects involve building new, what they call microgrids, groups of dispersed but interconnected energy generating units that can provide electricity even when the larger grid is down. For example, a solar microgrid involves lots of rooftop solar panels all feeding into a common pool of electricity usually stored in a battery that serves as a source of backup power during an outage. The funding will also support the development of several large-scale transmission lines, including five new lines across seven Midwestern states. Altogether, the DOE says the projects will help bring 35 gigawatts of renewable energy online, which is equivalent to roughly half of the U.S.'s utility-scale solar capacity for last year. This is huge. This is really, really huge and obviously a huge win for the trades, especially uh, the IBEW. Think about the utility workers here. And uh, again, we're talking union jobs. We like that. We like that a lot. Auto workers strike against Detroit's big three car makers is picking up support on both sides of the aisle. The D.C. support came. This was in an open letter from 30 senators urging GM, Ford, and Stellantis to settle with the UAW members who work in the auto plants. The three firms should follow federal labor law, negotiate in good faith with the UAW, and offer their workers a fair contract. That was what was included in the resolution. The fight the UAW is waging has everything to do with the outrageous level of corporate greed and arrogance on the part of senior executives in the automobile industry and their backers on Wall Street. That comment from Bernie Sanders, who heads the Senate Labor Committee, at a time when the big three automakers made $250 billion in profits over the past decade, he said, it is absolutely unacceptable that wages for the average auto worker have gone down by 30% in the past 20 years after you adjust for inflation. If these companies could afford to spend $9 billion on stock buybacks and dividends, and that was last year, they can afford to sign a contract that treats their workers with the respect and dignity that they deserve. Enough is enough. The support outside came when Governor Tim Walz, he's a governor of Minnesota, he joined the union's picket line at the Stellantis plant in Plymouth. This was on Wednesday. Now, he's a uh, history teacher on leave and a member of Education Minnesota, which is a joint AFTNEA state affiliate. He addressed the crowd saying, all we're saying is negotiate a fair contract, get together with them, and get back to work. 
that's when we all do better, right? Let's see. The, uh, then we also had comments from uh, Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio. Ohio is home state to uh, many auto and parts plants. Democratic Majority Whip Dick Durbin. Democrat Tammy Duckworth. They also joined picket lines. Now, here was a surprise. Josh Hawley, who is very far to the right, he's a Republican out of Missouri, big Trump supporter. He also talked with pickets at the Wentzville, Missouri General Motors plant, one of the first three to shut down. And uh, after his appearance, he tweeted the common Republican screed against electric vehicles and global warming, said, you know what, we're, we're pushing that too far, and the electric vehicles, well, they're easier to assemble, and it's going to cut jobs. And, you know, big part of that is true, but they're, they're trying to unionize those jobs, and GM did get that that promise to the UAW recently. The senator cited not only the automakers' $250 billion in combined profits since 2008, but noted the big three's $21 billion in profits over the first six months of this year, which, by the way, is an 80% increase over 2022. So we're going into, uh, my God, week number five here for the UAW strike, and I don't see any progress right now but we'll keep you posted. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jeff Stouffer on behalf of the American Legion. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylights and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at Teamster.org. 
Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. And you can find more at ulagency.org. Let's go to our live line right now. Welcome a longtime supporter and contributor to America's Workforce. That would be Jeffrey Stouffer on behalf of the American Legion. For complete updates, legion.org. And this is the time of the month where we preview the next month's edition, the November edition. And the big story is about declining academic performance. And it's hurting the military big time. I mean big time. Jeff Stouffer, welcome back to the show. I know you and I talked about this some months back. This article um, really gets into it, and it's pretty scary, especially in the world that we're in right now. Everything is very, very, very unstable, especially in the Middle East. And uh, our military is suffering when it comes to recruiting. So uh, I'm going to let you pick it up from there, brother. Go ahead. Boy, you've got that right. It is uh, kind of a scary time to not being to to, uh, to the, have the inability to un, to not meet your recruiting goals. Um, all of the branches of the service are kind of fighting the same battle, and that is getting even young people who really do want to serve uh, not being able to qualify. You know the the uh, fact the figure that I was given at our national convention in Milwaukee a year and a half ago. Uh, was that only 23% of those who want to serve in the military actually can qualify on the fitness and academic performance bar that they set for them to join. So this time, you know, we did a story earlier, and we're doing this series. It's not every issue series, but it's a kind of an infrequent series on what are these issues that are that are um, leading to this inability for the Army in particular, to not meet its recruiting goals. And we want to help with this. The American Legion wants to work hard to do to kind of improve this. But in this issue, um, the writer Steve uh, Benyon does a piece on the academic standards and the way the military is changing, changing and having to adjust because kids coming out of high school and young, young adults are unable to pass the um, the armed services vocational aptitude battery, which is kind of the ACT of the military. I mean, it is very serious. They, uh, you know, as as we kind of like labor away trying to get enough enough young people to serve in the military, um, you know, that they're just they're just simply not getting their hitting able to pass these tests and so they're making a lot of adjustments where they can create these 90-day windows where you have 90 days to get yourself prepared again to try to take another shot at the test but at the end of the day it's it's kind of a there's a lot of things at work here um young people high school students are also i think one of the, the author brings this out really well that high school students in the class of 2022 um, scored the lowest on the ACT and on their college exa- entrance exams in the lowest in the last 30 years. And the, you know, the number of test takers who passed like benchmarks for English dropped from 60% in 2018 to 53% last year. And uh, in math went from 40% down to 31%. So this is a curve that is going in the wrong direction for 
all high school students, which really has a ripple effect on military. And what the, the military is making adjustments, but it's a and make and building in some programs, but it's a it's a complicated journey. When you say they're making adjustments, and this is the part that kind of scares me, are they thinking about perhaps lowering the standards? And and I bring that up for a very good reason. There's a there's shortages of workers in many areas right now, and I remember a story not too long ago out of Wisconsin because of. Uh, the political landscape there, a lot of teachers left the profession. So what the legislature did, they, they made it easier for people to become teachers. They essentially lowered the standards for teaching certification. Is the military even contemplating something like that, Jeff? What they're doing, their approach is uh, different. They're, they're, they're creating, you know, a program, you know, future soldier preparatory course uh, program and the Navy has a future sailor preparatory uh, course that they just that they just un- unveiled, where they basically take uh, the young people who can't and aren't you know likely to pass the the the, um, the ASVAB, and and they're giving them this like 90 days to get themselves um, you know basically boned up on these on these on these. Uh, these tests so that they can pass them. And, you know, I don't know that there's a, one of the, one of the topics that they, they bring up that the author brings up is that during COVID so many high school students, I mean, we heard about this during COVID that they lost ground. Uh, American high school students did not, you know, as much as we want to think that we're um, school from home and on the, on the internet and everything like that is, is successful. Not every family has the ability to, uh, to pay for the computer, the Wi-Fi, and go through the technological complications and, and the discipline it takes to actually study when you're home and all the distractions. But another thing he brought up, too, is this this increase in um, anxiety dis- disorders among it's, it, I mean, there are some legitimate studies that show that you know, some 30% of U.S. teenagers are, according to the National Institutes of Health, are suffering from anxiety disorders and they're and they're they're reporting high stress levels um due to you know academics social expectations other things that go on in their lives so it's a a, you know it's a a, it's a difficult uh period of time for a lot of these kids so you know i think uh i think that there's a there's a there's a there's a multiple number of things it's not just getting into you know testing into the military it's testing into college and testing into other other areas but the military is you know very dedicated to not you know lowering its standards for sure we can't lower our standards when it comes to national security but they are willing to they're working on finding ways to strengthen that program that that so that they can that they can prepare academically and know what's expected of them it's not just a matter of well i'm not going to go to college so i'm i'm going to go join the army well you can't just do it that easily and it's yeah you know anymore i think he brings up too that you know your your typical non-com is a as, as a college degree it's and it's very competitive in the in the military you have to and for you to get an mos a military occupational specialty in something like cybersecurity or healthcare or whatever it might be that, you know, that would be, uh, one, one, the, the performance standards are much higher and you test into those, how you test on this ASVAB might 
dictate where you serve and how you serve and in what capacity. So, so there's a lot of things at work here. So, and, and, you know, the military, as we know, is a, is a foundation for future careers and specialized fields. And again, we have the, the question of it's, it's all well and good if, but if they can't get in, they can't get in. Right. What's the military doing, you know, going to high schools and trying to, you know, and there's obviously some very good high schools out there and convincing people that young people that, okay, maybe you want to go to college. Think about the military first. And when you get into the military, it's really going to pave your way to go to college later. I mean, are they stepping up any of that right now? Because, I mean, there's, you think about it, there's a lot of bright spots around America. I mean, there's some really good areas where, I mean, schools are good. I don't, I don't want to call this an indictment of the schools because there are good schools. There are schools that are struggling. I get that part. But I'm just wondering if they have to ramp up, especially in those, uh, those schools where the kids are a little bit better prepared. Do you think that that might happen? Yeah. Sure. They, well, the, the, without question, you know, we've talked about this many times is the, the GI Bill is such a big recruitment tool. I mean, the ability to you serve your country for a for your for a tour for a, for a window of time in your life. And you may choose to stay in the military and continue your, your military career for a few years or for, for many years, if you like. But if you complete your, 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 your service time, then you're eligible for the GI Bill, which unlocks all of these amazing benefits for education. And, um, uh, to, and as we've talked a lot, uh, you know, technical skills and vocational training for, to help fill this, this massive gap in, uh, in skilled labor. That's one of the things that we've obviously, you know, I've been, we've been focusing on that a lot in the American Legion through task force movement are, that, that, that skilled labor gap and, you know, start starting with, uh, driving with, you know, uh, commercial truck drivers sure. you know, trying to, trying to get young people to, and you know, it's not just that it's, you know, it's, it's, um, HVAC, it's all these, and these, uh, one of the things that they brought up too is, is it, the author brought up, and I think it's really important to note is, you know, it's when you're the days of, of going into, um, basic training and coming out an infantry soldier and then marching out into the field with just your rifle are over. I mean, there, there are a lot of technological, um, skills and aptitudes you have to have as a soldier, even if you're, uh, you know, an E1 and you're out there in the, in, in, in you, you've, you've joined the military. You've got to be a, be prepared for many different kinds of, I think, mental scenarios that are not just, you know, survive and fulfill your mission necessarily. Sure. So there, they, 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 he brings up the complexity of serving in the military now. And that's one of the reasons I don't think they can ever really lower the bar. Yeah. 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 It's not like, well, we'll teach you how to shoot a gun and we're done with you. It's, it's a little more that's, than that. Yeah. You, that's <laughs> a lot it. more than it, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a different, it's a different battlefield, you know, than what we grew up with and what we understood about, about, you know, military service. So it's, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a conundrum and, you know, we couple this with the other, the, the two other big planks are, you know, it's, 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 um, academic aptitude and scholastic and being able to pass those tests. Then it is also that fitness and, you know, frankly, obesity and, and being overweight and, and the, and the army has also, you know, done, has done this, this kind of two pronged deal where they, where they give them this window of time to get their weight down, get into uh -huh. shape. 
get there, get, and then for, for others, and they, they may have both problems. They may, so you get into shape, you get, you get yourself ready, they give them a window to prepare, and they prepare them, they work to prepare them. That, and those kids come out, and, they, and they, their, their, their success rate is very high when they do that program, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of them probably don't have the 90 days and don't want to, don't want to wait that long to get yeah. on with their lives. Yeah, that's just another factor, the fitness factor. No, it has to be addressed in this country. All right, I'm going to take a quick break here. Jeff Stouffer, on behalf of the American Legion, legion.org, for complete updates. We have more to come. We're going to talk about the Be the One campaign and, and the buddy check this week. Also, a Medal of Honor recipient, another one. And uh, later in the show, Rich Fiesta will be joining us on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at voidwaterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft. Dot O-R-G. Of course, they're affiliated with the American Federation of Teachers. i got to do a shout-out here today because today, Randy Weingarten, who is the president of the AFT, is the keynote speaker at the union's Human Rights Conference, which is happening in Houston, Texas. The conference is titled, An America as Good as Its Promise, Real Community, Real Solutions, Real Impact on Labor, Education, and Life. And there's about... 200 educators and allies gathering to share their ideas on how best to support America's kids as well as communities. And one of them, one of them in attendance is somebody that we featured on the show on Monday. And that was Zeph Capo, who's president of the Texas American Federation of Teachers. That was a really good show. They got a lot of challenges with the vouchers in the state of Texas. And if you missed that show, 
Just go to awfpodcast.com. Let's go back to our live line, rejoin uh, Jeff Stover on behalf of the American Legion. We're previewing the November edition. Let's start off with uh, this Be the One campaign and the Buddy Check. You started something pretty interesting this week, the Buddy Check program. You and I have talked about this, but I guess this was kind of a, a virtual thing. Why don't you explain what happened no. here, Jeff? Well, what it, what it was was, you know, we started the uh, Buddy Checks, the American Legion Buddy Check program in March of 2019, uh, literally to activate our local posts and members in the, in, in the communities to get lists of veterans in their communities and simply call them and say, hey, we're from the American Legion. We're not asking you for a membership. We're not asking you for any money. We're asking you, can we help you? What do you need? And mm-hmm. you would be amazed how many people that, you know, were, were found to be, you know, hungry, isolated, sick, unable to get where they wanted to go. And they were so pleased and delighted to get um, their fellow veterans to contact them and to communicate with them. Well, that thing started out, it was, it went strong the first year and then it went, it went pretty strong the next year. And then the next year, the next two years were COVID and it went really, really strong. And after four years of buddy checks, the American Legion has reached way over a million veterans in their local communities through this very organic, you know, veteran to veteran, peer to peer program. And what we found is both on the, from the, you know, the isolation during COVID and the, you know, seniors who were kind of like kind of lost in the mix of the, of the, the, the isolation time that everybody had during the pandemic, that it was hugely beneficial for their mental health and hugely beneficial for the, often for their physical and, and mental health, both and for caregivers, you know, spouses who were home with like a disabled veteran. They, this was super important. And ultimately it caught fire across the country. I, we worked on these things every year. And I think that, I mean, we did, I think, um, like almost 500,000 of them last year. So it was one of our bigger years last year that we have numbers anyway. VA, um, Joni Ernst uh, from Iowa and another uh, uh, member of Congress was, was, was very, they, 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 we got a, basically a group of, of members of Congress who thought this buddy check thing is an idea for VA. They pushed through the, uh, a national buddy check bill, and it was actually it rolled up into another bill, a bigger omnibus bill, but they got it passed this year. This, and, and so now, uh, or late last year, I guess it was in December, maybe it was passed, but they had that time to plan. So VA is now, right now, in the midst of a national buddy check week of calling where VA has picked up the ball, and they're contacting veterans and asking them, you know, is there anything VA can do to help you? And the American Legion is assisting and is in the kind of in the co-pilot seat of this initiative and there's a lot of veterans out there who don't even know that there are what VA services are available to them they don't know that you know that they they they're not sure uh, you know not VA is it has a lot of quality services but is pretty you know pretty famously well known for not going door to door telling people about them you know you got to kind of know them you got to find out about them through a service officer or through some other party and they they may they may promote it but some of the but some of the these veterans are lost in the shuffle and don't understand that there are quality high quality VA resources available to them if it's physical health, if it's mental health, if it's whatever it might be. And that's what VA is trying to do. That was one thing that 
VA came to the American Legion with as a as an initiative. Gosh, it's been three or four years ago when we were all fighting the suicide, the high suicide rate and mental health issues, especially in rural areas. VA called on the Legion to try to help them identify people who had needs because what they found was this high percentage of veterans who were taking their own lives and um, and that were not enrolled in VA, did not seem to have any uh, knowledge or interest or maybe capability of getting to a VA um, facility for help. So what we're trying to do, what we're doing, the Buddy Check program, we're very, very proud of the fact that VA has jumped in and taken its, you know, influence nationwide to, you know, help us get veterans, not just the help that they need, but help them, let them know that they're not, they're not alone. And that's the big, that's the big deal. Well, it's great that the VA embraced your idea. It's too bad. It took uh, four years for it to happen, but uh, it's, it's officially national buddy check week. So there's a lot of information posted. This is a good segue too to one of the articles in next month's edition, a life save thanks to the be the one campaign. That's the campaign that the Legion started some years back. Uh, can you give us a quick uh, review of, uh, of this story? Well, this is a, this was, this was part of a, a session that we had at our national convention where, you know, our deputy director, Henry Howard, um, I think that we've had, we've talked about his stories. He may have been on the show before he is, uh, uh he is our staff, uh, you know, leader on the Be The One initiative mission. We don't like to necessarily call it a campaign because it's not really an advertising campaign, but it is, it, it has a, it has a brand and it has, and, it has, and the, and the message is getting spread far and wide. But what he, what this was, was the session was a fire. It was kind of like a, uh, a fireside chat kind of uh, uh, event at our national convention where we had, uh, a retired Navy SEAL Master Chief, Sean Dowling, and then uh, a, uh, a there's a, a Chip Ganassi Racing uh, team manager, Dave Birkenfeld, and then they were talking with uh, a, a, a Navy SEAL Senior Chief, uh, who Mark Tangy, I think is his last name. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but he had he suffered from. TBI. He got. He was in. He he had some serious traumatic brain injury issues, and some PTSD. I mean, he had a long. He was a Navy SEAL, very trusted, beloved leader in the SEALs, and those guys got up and gave a very heartfelt, honest. I mean, transparent glimpse into what it was like when Mark, their their friend, um, was on the brink of suicide and how he communicated with a few, a few people. And these were quote unquote cries for help, um, that he was done and he didn't, he didn't want anything more to do with his life and how they responded. And this was sort of the soul of be the one, the concept of be the one. These guys were very dedicated to be the one guy to save that one life. And I think that they pretty much put it in those terms that, you know, one person can make that change, and and you know, you think about it. The guy, a, a guy like that, is a Navy SEAL, and he's a leader. He's an officer, and he, or, and he gets into this, gets into the civilian world, and you know, gets gets a job, and maybe it doesn't work out, or it doesn't match. I mean, when you're, you're when you're a Navy SEAL, you live in a pretty high op tempo world, and entering the civilian career path is not going to match up with that. So there's adjustments. 
And then on top of that, he had traumatic brain injuries, and some of them came from um, a motorcycle, some motorcycle wrecks. He had concussions, impulsive behavior, started having irrational decision making. His contract gig, uh, his job as a contractor, uh, went away, and that's when when he was, you know, kind of at the bottom. And um, his wife was who called these guys and said, "Hey, he needs somebody to talk to him right now, or this is gonna, not going to go well." And they did, and they formed a little support network, and they keep talking about this concept of tribe. In, in the military, and basically it was basically his tribe, the veterans, the, these Navy veterans, you know, triangulated around this man, and they all told their story on our stage. It's really a fascinating uh, story, and it kind of talks, it kind of shows how simple it can be to simply be the one for one person who is struggling, and all you got to do is reach out. That's all you got to do. Just one person. Be the one dot org is the website. You got to thank Henry Howard for that one. And yeah, Henry was on the show, and we did our uh, special on Suicide Prevention Month. We had a number of people, close to a dozen people, talking about uh, preventing suicide and all the resources that are available there. All right, we're a little bit short on time here, but there's one story I want to call attention to, and and this is a guy who's a true hero. His name is Larry Taylor. And get this, the third Medal of Honor recipient from Chattanooga Post 14. I don't know what's going on in the Tennessee Post, but there's there's some incredible people there. Can you kind of uh, give us a brief glimpse into uh, what Larry Taylor was able to accomplish here? Yeah, uh, our managing editor, Matt Grills, who you'd also know from the show, he's, he did a, a great feature story on Larry Taylor's story. And Larry Taylor was... Um, a helicopter pilot in the Vietnam, but he flew a gunship, a Cobra. And um, the Cobra, unlike the Huey that we know of, the Huey that saved so many lives in Vietnam, it was, a, was, a, was an assault uh, helicopter and was not really built for rescue and was not really supposed to do rescues in, in essence. And um, like so many Medal of Honor recipients, uh, Larry Taylor um, kid from Tennessee who was very dedicated to his service said, well, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to defy the the norm and we're going to go in. And he risked his life uh, flying into a badly surrounded enemy area and through heavy fire um, went back and rescued, I think four of his, of his four people who had four men who had been, who had been stranded and were about to get, gunned down without question they would not have lived another 10 minutes if he hadn't flown into flown into hell at great risk of his own life and he got them onto that cobra and they helped this i keep imagining this what this would look like make a good movie to grab onto the cobra's rocket pods and the skids so they basically grabbed onto the ship the gunship and flew out um to safety and now he's 81 and he is a very humble, aw shucks kind of guy from Tennessee. He's also, I think, the 33rd um, uh, uh, former uh, military um, man who got who has received the Medal of Honor, and he received he received the Medal of Honor this last summer. And he joins um, uh, Post 14 has two others, including people will know Desmond Doss, Desmond Doss, who's, who was portrayed in Hacksaw Ridge. 
and that was posted. But these guys are all post-14 members. The other one is Charles Coolidge. But these guys were all th three Medal of Honor recipients, all from the same American Legion post in Chattanooga. And, um, and it was interesting because Taylor's Medal of Honor was a uh, was an upgrade he had got the silver star for this for that was a you know it was a people knew enough about it but what happened i think was his commanding officer the person who would have been the commander of the division was killed i think before this happened sometimes before he got a chance to actually nominate him for the for the or to, to you know sign off on a medal of honor application so there was a big battle and they get these uh from time to time and some of the people who made the decision on the medal of honor said you know we get these a lot we just don't have the documentation. We don't have the right, right order of things. And lo and behold, at the age of 81, you know, all these decades since he since his, his heroic mission, he flew more than 2,000 combat missions in in Hueys and, and Cobras in Vietnam. But after all these years, he finally gets the Medal of Honor. And um, we we did a nice big feature about a a what what he went through and what his what the experience was, the way people responded to it. And then the, the sort of the, the battle for to get that Silver Star upgraded to the Medal of Honor. And it's really, I think, a very well done story. Matt always does things very thoroughly. And he, he got to the right voices and the right people to really, you know, lay this story out in a very elegant way. All contained in the November edition of the American Legion magazine. And again, for complete updates, legion.org. Jeff Stouffer, you take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you next month, okay? All right. Great being with you. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Rich Fiesta on behalf of the Alliance for Retired Americans coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at uaw.org. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. All right, let's go to line number two. Joining us from Washington right now, Mr. Richard Fiesta, who is the executive director of the Alliance for Retired Americans. RetiredAmericans.org is their website. Retired Americans on Facebook and Active Retirees, if you want to follow them on X. 
Rich Fiesta has been around since, well, for a long time, but since 1985, yeah. he's been working Capitol Hill, involved with a union law firm, worked in the Clinton Labor Department. You, Rich, you've seen a lot on Capitol Hill during that time. I mean, what, almost, uh, almost 40 years here. Have you ever seen what's going on, like the fact that we don't have a Speaker of the House right now? Has this ever happened before? <laughs> no, we are in uncharted territory. There's no map. There's no playbook. Uh, this is beyond bizarre, Flash. <laughs> beyond bizarre. So uh, what kind of scares me, I, you know, we, we talk about Social Security and Medicare, and, and part of me says, well, if, if they can't do anything, that's probably a good thing, depending on who's in office. But, you know, the, we have a crisis in the world right now. Things need to get done. Uh, Biden addressed the nation last night. I thought he did a really good job on that. But let's zero in on Social Security. Number one, those on Social Security got a raise last week, and you, you came out with a press release saying it was an additional, on average, $59 a month. Let me ask you this. Uh, what was it, 3.2%? How did they do this calculation? Because, obviously, when you see the the 3.2%, well, maybe maybe it's a little higher than that. I think it's a little higher, but why don't you explain to our listeners how they arrived at that? Sure. This is not political. It is a formula in law that every year the Bureau of Labor Statistics in June, July, and, or excuse me, July, August, and September, the third quarter of the year, looks at a whole mar- market basket of goods and services uh, based on what an average wage earner is and comes up with the number, 3.2%. Uh, obviously a little low. In fact, we were thinking it was going to be even lower, but gasoline went up over the summer, so it pushed it up to 3.2. We at the Alliance and other advocates are for a COLA that best represents what seniors spend their money on, health care, transportation, which have higher rates of inflation in the economy, and therefore we would have a higher COLA. Let me ask you this. If that formula were to be in place today, and I don't know if you have an answer to this thing, but what would you what would you say that number should be if you factor that in? Yeah, on average it's um almost, uh, between 0.3 and 0.5% higher than what the COLA has been. So it would be instead of 3.2, 3.5 or 3.6 somewhere in that neighborhood, for example. Okay. Okay, and that can make up a, a big difference here on sure. those monthly paychecks over time. Okay. Anybody talking about that idea right now? Oh, yes. Uh, it's been in uh, all the Social Security expansion bills that we at the Alliance uh, support. Uh, Congressman John Larson of Connecticut, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, their bills, and a number of other bills. It uh, has been talked about for some time and we just need to get a friendly congress and get it done okay they're talked about the, the i mean do we have a number of votes right now what do we need and i'm sure the alliance is going to you know put some pressure on them when they find when they finally get back in session 
Right. Well, we're going the other way in the House since the Republicans uh, take it. In fact, when Jim Jordan was nominated the other day by Congressman Tom Cole of Oklahoma, in the first paragraph, uh, Congressman Cole said, we need Jim Jordan because we all know we have debt and that Social Security and Medicare are the drivers of it, and we need a commission. I mean, that's like the first thing he said, why people should vote for Jim Jordan. I mean, that's kind of jaw-dropping. Now, now this commission, uh, let, let's speculate on this. Would this be all members of Congress or will there be people that are outside? Um, I'm just, I'm just wondering about that. Well, it would, that's a good question. We not sure what, if the, if we ever get a speaker, what it would look like. Um, back in the eighties, it was mixed. Um, in fact, uh, president Obama had one that was called Simpson Bowles, uh, two people who were, uh, not in Congress, so it would probably be a mix, and we should all be uh, wary of it. Okay, we'll see what happens here. But in the meantime, Social Security recipients, starting on January 1, will get a 3.2% cost of living increase. And the year before, I think it was just shy of 9%, something like 8.7%, but uh, things have changed. And uh, that's basically how the formula works. All right, let's switch gears here. I know you've been very active supporting the UAW. Talk to me about what the alliance has been doing for that. Yeah, all around the country, our chapters uh, have been supportive of local UAW spots uh, where there is picketing. Um, I Myself, I was out in St. Louis a week before last, went out to the GM plant at Wentzville, uh, did an hour there. Um, our Texas chapter uh, is actually buying some um, uh, warm weather clothing because, yes, it does get cool in Texas at night uh, to bring out to UAW uh, strikers there. Obviously, Michigan, uh, it's almost every day. We have retirees um, on the lines there. So we are are quite active um, uh, both uh, online and in person uh, supporting the UAW Big Three Strike. What what are you hearing from the from the strikers? Are they are they hanging in there pretty well? Are they upbeat? What's what's your take on that? Yeah, from what I saw in Wentzville, Missouri, there's a lot of solidarity. Uh, it's a one day more, whatever it takes attitude. Uh, getting enough picketers to come, uh, both UAW members, retirees, other friends, uh, as well. So um, you know it's been a couple weeks but uh, there's been no fatigue from everything we've seen i'm driving everybody to the website i'll tell you they they've really done a good job in updating all the information on that if you go to uaw.org check it out a lot of good videos there as well all right rich i'm going to button it up there rich fiesta executive director of the alliance for retired americans retiredamericans.org you take care we'll talk to you next month okay brother thank you flash talk to you then all right, that's it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up on Monday, we got the Transportation Trades Department of the AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful weekend. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.